0: Welcome to You News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, February 26. I'm Andrea Linares. These are today's headlines. The United States launching airstrikes against Iranian-backed militia facilities in Syria after several U.S. contractors were injured last week in neighboring Iraq. On Capitol Hill, the House of Representatives voting on a $1.9 trillion stimulus proposal backed by President Joe Biden, but that measure dropping a provision to raise the federal minimum wage. And the federal government is moving to ramp up vaccinations as the FDA issues a major new ruling on the Pfizer vaccine. This and much more today on You News, transmitting live from our newsroom in Miami. military operation in his administration. The White House has ordered airstrikes in eastern Syria. This happened yesterday. Now defense officials are saying that it was all retaliation for a rocket attack that happened earlier in the month that actually wounded several Americans. The U.S. military launched two warplanes into eastern Syria near the Iraqi border on the orders of President Biden, whose sources say chose the least lethal option, targeting a cluster of buildings used by Iranian-backed militias at a border control point. The same Iranian-linked militias believed to be responsible for the attack on a coalition base in Iraq earlier this month. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin later said hitting the site in Syria was a good call. We're
1: confident in uh, in the target that we went after. We know what we hit.
0: President Biden says the airstrikes were in response to a rocket attack on U.S. forces earlier this month outside Erbil in northern Iraq, where U.S. soldiers and contractors were housed. That attack left five Americans injured. The same Iranian-backed militias have launched rocket attacks against the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad and the so-called green zone surrounding it.
1: We know what we hit, and we're confident that that target was being used the same uh, Shia militia that that conducted the the strikes.
0: On Monday, Pentagon spokesman John Kirby highlighting the aftermath of that rocket attack.
1: These
2: are dangerous attacks. Um, And as we saw in the one in Erbil, um, uh, an individual lost his life and now a family's grieving.
0: A U.S. official says the military struck a site believed to be part of a weapons smuggling operation by Iranian-backed Shia militias. It was meant to send a message after repeated rocket fire on American forces in the region in the past two weeks. Officials say Biden's airstrike could have resulted in a handful of casualties. The Pentagon spokesman saying that the strike was proportional and that President Biden will act to protect American and coalition personnel. Now, the Pentagon is saying that the Biden administration has acted in a deliberate manner that aims to de-escalate the overall situation. The president also saying he is open to rejoining the Iran nuclear deal. And another foreign policy news, President Biden spoke with Saudi King Salman bin Abdulaziz Al Saud on Thursday, ahead of the release of a long-awaited U.S. intelligence report on the 2018 murder of Jamal Khashoggi. He's the Washington Post journalist who was killed and dismembered at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. The congressionally mandated release of this report is expected to take place soon now that Biden and the king have spoken. The CIA has maintained based on available intelligence that Saudi Arabia's Prince Mohammed bin Salman personally ordered Khashoggi's killing. He has denied those accusations. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, the acting U.S. Capitol Police chief says militia groups involved in the January 6th insurrection want to, quote, blow up the Capitol when President Biden addresses Congress. Presidents usually don't give an official State of the Union address in the opening months of their first term. However, the Biden administration is considering delivering an address to a joint session of Congress later on this year. The acting US Capitol Police chief issued her warning on Thursday at a congressional hearing. And the Department of Homeland Security is now requiring states to spend more money to combat domestic terrorism. There are several DHS grant programs that help state and local governments prevent and recover from acts of terrorism, but recipients of some of these grants will have to spend at least 7.5% of the award on combating violent extremism. And now to the still ailing economy. Lawmakers in the House are getting ready to vote on the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief bill today, but the minimum wage increase proposal is now out of that package. That move, a disappointment for many Democrats. Let's go to Edwin Piti. He's got the very latest on this situation from Washington, D.C. Edwin.
3: Hi, Andrea. I can tell you that the House is scheduled to pass President Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 stimulus package later this afternoon. But a Senate ruling announced late Thursday complicates the passage of the minimum wage hike championed by Democrats. Today's vote in the House will bring most Americans one step closer to receiving $1,400 in relief payments and move the action to the Senate, where disagreements among Democrats over the minimum wage had been the biggest obstacle to turning the pandemic relief plan into law. But how do we get to this point? Senate parliamentarian Elizabeth Macdonald found that the wage provision did not qualify for action under the budget reconciliation, forcing Democrats to lift the wage increase out of the bill. The reality is that Democrats do not have a unified approach For dealing with the minimum wage, some members of Congress are proposing that companies with $1 billion in revenue should pay their employees $15 an hour. But despite the tensions, President Biden is calling on Congress to quickly pass the relief bill. The White House added that it will continue talks with congressional leaders to figure out the best way to proceed with a minimum wage hike. But they are still hoping the bill can be approved before March 15 which is the date where the benefit for millions of unemployed Americans is set to expire. Live in Washington, D.C., Andrea, back to you.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for all those details. Meanwhile, moving on now, the nation's temporary halt on evictions has suffered a setback in court. On Thursday, a federal judge in Texas ruled that the moratorium is unconstitutional. The Trump administration put the brakes on evictions in September, citing the pandemic, but a group of Texas landlords and property owners then went to court, saying the government didn't have the power to stop evictions. In his ruling, the judge wrote that Congress lacked the authority to grant federal agencies the power to halt evictions. The moratorium is currently in effect until March 31st. It's still unclear if the Department of Justice will appeal. The number of unaccompanied children crossing the border into the United States from Mexico has been rising since the month of January and now the Biden administration has opened an emergency facility for undocumented immigrant teens. That facility is in the town of Carrizo Springs, Texas. It will house up to 700 children and can make room for even more. While in care, case managers work to place the teens with a sponsor in the U.S. like a parent or relative. And a third U.S. border crossing will start processing asylum seekers who have been forced to wait in Mexico. The ports of entry in Brownsville, Texas and San Isidro, California have already started doing that. And today, immigration officials in El Paso, Texas are set to follow suit. The move comes after President Biden began rolling back his predecessors remain in Mexico policy. Those regulations forced tens of thousands of asylum seekers to wait for their immigration hearings in Mexico, but many of them had to wait for months, if not years, often in very tough conditions. In the meantime, many migrants face the threat of extortion, kidnapping, or sexual assault. The White House estimates that some 25,000 people still have active immigration cases. And now let's go to Cynthia Garcia. She's with the advocacy organization United We Dream. Cynthia, welcome to UNews. Thank you so much for being with us on this Friday.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: So President Biden is getting some backlash over some of his immigration policies. One of them, that decision to reopen facilities holding migrant children. Let's listen to what the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said about this.
1: We had to open, reopen a new facility uh, that had previously been closed because of COVID protocols. Because previously, because we can't have kids in beds next to each other, we need space appropriate. It's been revamped. There are there's educational services there. There are uh, there are health services and medical services. But our objective is to move them as quickly as we can to va- families that have been vetted and to, of course, reunite kids with their families.
0: What are your thoughts, Cynthia, on this move by the White House? Yeah, I think it, it speaks
2: on um, we are continuously creating more crises, right? Uh, what we know is that places like Tornillo, which is uh, located in, in Carrizo, Texas, as you shared, and Homestead have been open in the past. And the level of, of violence and trauma and just the lack of transparency on how children and and teens are actually placed in those facilities, it's not different just because it's a new administration. We have seen that this issue around building uh, prison like facilities and detention centers of this magnitude only result in more violence towards uh, undocumented youth that are actually coming here trying to reunite with family. Often they may may be unaccompanied, but there are already community groups that are doing the work uh, to make sure that they are placed with people who speak their language with uh, their basic needs in mind. And the thing that I think uh, the press secretary uh, failed to say is that the Homestead and uh, Tornillo are not facilities that were just built under the Trump administration. They have been uh, in use for many years. This is not just a previous administration issue. And he talks about Biden's and his administration's comfort to lean back into the same way that they've done their work before. And that is unfortunate given how he accepted during his campaign that they have made an error in the way they handle immigration.
0: Now, as we just reported, the White House has authorized the entry of asylum seekers who have been waiting at the border for a hearing, some of them waiting for years in squalid migrant camps. How is that process coming along?
2: Yeah, we know that the major issues that are happening is that uh, people are coming and there are no actual resources to support them through their cases. Uh, Many of the families that are arriving potentially will still be processed. And this touches base again on many of the families that are coming to the border are separated. Adults get placed into detention centers, young people, teens, children get placed in these facilities at reopening. And so then we end up with a situation, just like we're seeing recently the news broke out about only about 105 uh, children have found their parents. Over the 500 that the administration had lost, quote unquote, right? And so, I think that the process still needs to be rooted in the humanity of the people who are coming here, uh, and we need to continue to advocate for funding that is actually resources and not punitive systems like detention, like more money for a quote unquote smart border. And many of these folks are going to take years before they even know if their asylum case is going to be completed. And so we shouldn't utilize detention camps or these new facilities um, to to cage people for the remaining time of of their actual process.
0: Cynthia, your organization does have an app that helps immigrants in the U.S. get the information that they need. It's called Notifica. Now, what kind of information can individuals access there? How does it work?
2: Yeah, so Notifica is an app that comes out uh, out of our work as organizers in 2018. It's an app that provides resources for Know Your Rights information. It has a list of community organizations that you can uh, look into and see what resources they have. So many organizations provide uh, deportation defense with like case management, uh, processing, uh, DACA renewals, uh, community forums, right? We know that right now during COVID, uh, many of the immigrant rights organizations are also having to create response for financial relief. And so the app itself, it's able to provide that for anybody that downloads it, and you can download it by texting 877 the word is Notifica, and you will get information also how to connect with other uh, allies or other folks in your community that are actually providing support and resources for the immigrant community and one thing i'll share is that this application was actually built by immigrant leaders who understand the importance of our data and our information being secure and so the app itself has a really state-of-the-art encrypted data protection so that if someone was to get access to your phone they're actually not able to see any of the information you looked up or any of the resources that you have contacted
0: Well, thank you so much for your time. Cynthia Garcia of United We Dream, and thank you for providing us and our viewers with that useful information. Have a great day and a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Thank you so much. Welcome back. A new vaccine might soon join the nation's supply. The FDA meeting today to consider granting Johnson & Johnson emergency use authorization. This as the Biden administration celebrates a vaccination milestone. Lorraine
4: Caceres has the latest the number of new coronavirus cases and deaths in the United States is declining faster than expected a new report by the Institute of Health Metrics and Evaluation at the University of Washington saying the numbers have dropped 70 percent over the past five weeks the report attributing the decline to early signs of vaccine effectiveness and increased mask wearing
2: there's a natural turnaround you have people probably doing better now realizing The numbers of cases we had was a terrible month of January and the end of December. And I think there may be some contribution to the vaccine. I don't think it is the contributing factor. It might be a part of it, but it's a complex, multifaceted reason why it's coming down.
4: The report coming as more and more people warm up to the idea of getting vaccinated. A new poll from the Kaiser Family Foundation showing most Americans, 55%, either want to get vaccinated against COVID-19 or they already have. That's up from just half in January.
2: We're gonna start seeing people saying, hey, the more people get vaccinated, I can have dinner with my family member that comes in.
4: Meanwhile, the Biden administration hitting a milestone, the president commemorating on Thursday the 50 millionth vaccine shot since he took office. Biden is now halfway to his goal of 100 million shots in his first 100 days.
5: I want to make something really very clear. This is not a time to relax. We must keep washing our hands, stay socially distanced, and for God's sake... For God's sake, wear a mask. Some of our progress in this fight is because so many Americans are stepping up and doing those things. And the worst thing we could do now is let our guard down.
4: And although demand still outpaces supply, FDA doing away with a huge hurdle in vaccine distribution, agreeing to allow the Pfizer vaccine to be transported and stored at normal freezer temperatures. The decision can relieve some of the constraints that have made the vaccine especially difficult to transport and store. After major vaccination delays in Texas due to extreme weather, the federal government now operating new mass vaccination sites. The governor also announcing a new statewide white program, bringing doses of COVID-19 vaccine to those over 65 who can't get themselves to vaccination sites or medical facilities.
3: I am, as governor, incredibly proud of the Corpus Christi Fire Department, Meals on Wheels, and the city of Corpus Christi for what they've done to step up to identify and then vaccinate homebound seniors.
4: And although deaths and hospitalizations continue to decline, it seems the number of cases has plateaued. The seven-day average of 72,000 in comparison to the seven-day average before that remained the same. Experts are worried that that new surge they've been concerned about that could happen in a few weeks has started or could potentially start. It's too early to say if this plateau will continue and if it means um, cases are going to start uptaking. But the next few days are crucial in order to calculate those trend lines. Back to you, Andrea. Thank you, Lorraine, for that complete report.
0: More of you news after this short break. Welcome back to You News. According to the Humane Society, one out of every three pets goes missing at some point in their life. And tragically, 80% of those animals never make it back home to their loved ones. But this story is quite different. A dog owner in South Florida, who also happens to be my half-sister, suffered the loss of her dog last spring. But now, her beloved Rosie is back by her side. Mariti Marungi explains how.
5: Rosie, an eight year old Yorkie, was last seen outside her home in Pembroke Pines, Florida on May 29th, 2020.
1: When I noticed she wasn't there, I immediately went outside and I called for her. I knocked on my neighbor's doors. It it was so devastating.
5: Monts Bermudez and Rosie were inseparable. So the search to find her beloved pet began. Billboards and flyers were made and distributed throughout the neighborhood.
1: And then weeks would go by, and sometimes I would lose faith. People were encouraging me and telling me, you know, hang in there.
5: Her one hope was the fact that Rosie had a microchip.
1: I had that little bit of hope that it was going to work. The chip was going to work. I just didn't know when. I didn't know how, because this is the first time I ever experienced this. But I had a slim chance that it was gonna happen.
5: Sure enough, nine months passed and all of a sudden, Monts received a phone call from the city of Tallahassee Animal Services.
1: And I'm like, uh oh. I like I just I didn't expect it. It was so it was so weird. And they're like Are you missing someone? Do you have somebody by the name of Rosie? And that's it. I just, I had no words. She literally had to put me on hold because I was just yelling and crying.
5: How exactly Rosie ended up more than 450 miles away is still unknown, but a good Samaritan picked her up from the street and turned her in to animal services. The next day, Montz jumped on a plane and headed to Tallahassee.
1: I got there, rented the car, and I drove, and it was anxiety, such anxiety. She showed me the paperwork with her picture uh, on it. She looked all matted, and she looked really bad. And I'm like, that's her,
5: that's her. And then the moment she had been waiting for was finally back in her arms.
1: Rosie Yeah
0: Rosie
1: She just responded the way she always did, wagging her tail and crying and just licking me and just it's okay. It's okay. it was just it's this okay. it was just so exciting. It was so it was perfect. It was so perfect. It was so her. It was her. I got her back. I got her back.
5: Mont says Rosie's microchip saved her life and believes other pet owners should take the same precaution
1: A chip is is very important you want your dog back or your pet chip your pet
5: marini Murungi, you news
0: rosie is currently weighing just three pounds and she's anemic at the moment but the vet expects her to be okay because now she's receiving all the love care and food that she needs